0: This episode is brought to you by Pitch DMM, the football fan app that gives fans a voice and allows you to rate your team, the players, and pick your formation and your squad in real time, every game, and compete with your mates. Have fun whilst generating a voice that will be listened to. Your club, your voice, be heard. Get it now on Google Play and download it on the Apple App Store.
1: You are listening to an official podcast from Kings of Europe. Your football link
2: to the European Super Leagues.
0: Welcome, everyone, to the funeral of the German national team. I'm sorry. I mean the Kings of Europe. Sorry, sorry. Got my uh, got my my dates mixed up. Uh, no, it is in fact the funeral of the German national team. They become the third consecutive, third consecutive defending World Cup champions: Italy, Spain, and now Germany to not make it out of the group stage following winning the World Cup. Uh, quite a trend going on here, and actually for the last five. France in 2002, also after their 1998 triumph, did not make it out of the group stage. Only Brazil in the last five World Cups in 2006, as 2002 defending champs made it out. So we're going to talk a little bit, obviously, about Germany and the— I don't even want to say disappointment, but it's more like a shell shock of results that they put on the board they scored a minimal amount of goals they conceded a lot more than they ever probably thought they would and they deservedly go out they they make no mistake about it they they deserve to go out we're going to talk a little bit about poland and that's the other team i think that of the 16 teams that have been eliminated that kind of stands out and of course we're going to talk about the fair play ruling that was, really came into play today, obviously, uh, with Japan, Senegal, uh, as far as to who moved on and who was eliminated. And last but not least, we're going to review the round of 16. We have some pretty damn interesting matchups, uh, spe- specifically as it pertained today to England and Belgium. A 1-0 result in that one uh, for Belgium, and that is going to basically come down to a matter of who wanted to fit it was uh, at, at a point it was England could finish second and get the easier path or should they win the group and get and then you know so we're going to talk all about the round of 16 some very intriguing matchups at this time though as i finished off my 2017 barrel aged ballast point victory at sea porter my god what a name and it's so tasty and so nutritious and just delicious very good dessert beer to say the least i'm going to also welcome my two guests for this world cup review uh of the group stage and of course previewing the round of 16. uh a frequent a frequent guest here on the kings of europe i welcome back at this time my good friend liverpool aficionado Alex Miller. Alex, how are you doing, sir?
3: Hey, critty How's it going? Thanks for having me on. I'm good. I'm um, just sipping a little Malbec 2014 mm. after some cheese and crackers. Um, yeah, I'm doing good, man. Um, towards the end of the week, starting to heat up now with the old World Cup. So um, yeah, looking forward to discussing it today, and the weekend awaits with some fantastic fixtures.
0: It really, it really does. It really does. Uh, and also, making a second appearance on the show, uh, welcome back. Uh, normally, he's a rival of mine, uh, but just because he wears blue does not mean that I hate him. Uh, I, and in fact, uh, quite a, a, a very, very lovable character here, very informed. He is one half of the FT ShotKid podcast, so one of the, if not the only English-speaking ShotKid podcast. I welcome back to the show Jeff Mang- Jack Mangan. Jack, how are you doing tonight?
1: Doing well. The worst-looking half of that podcast, unfortunately, for me. But uh, (laughs) thank you for having me back on, and thank you for uh, rousing me from my summer podcasting hibernation. Uh, Hopefully I can shake off some of the rust, and uh, it's going to be back in the saddle.
0: Most definitely. We've had, obviously, Richard back on uh, in the last three or four weeks to do the World Cup preview, so it only is fitting to have the uh, second half of that podcast and For everyone listening, if you are a Bundesliga fan, or if you are an FC Schalke fan, or just like to listen to two guys talk about some fantastic football in Gettysburg in Germany, uh, please do check out the FC Schalke podcast. Fantastic show. I've been a guest on there myself. They do great work, uh, as well as Richard Carman's Serie A sit-down. Also, uh, check that podcast out if you're into the uh, Italian cod show. Well, guys, we're going to break right into it. Uh, I have a lot to say about the events that took place yesterday with the German national team. Uh, I'm I'm going to get this off my chest, and I'm going to hand it over to you two gentlemen to get your thoughts on it. But Germany came in, obviously, heavy favorites. Many, many predicted them to be the, become the first team since the early 1960s when Brazil did it to repeat as World Cup champions. So back-to-back. Hard to do, especially with the four-year hiatus. Some players come, some players go, other players mature, some players get worse. Uh, it's it's always hard to figure out the chemistry because very few players play in two, much less three, certainly not four World Cups, a very select few have ever done so. Many only get one chance, one opportunity, like Marco Royce, for example, uh, at age 29, making his first World Cup appearance. Should have been in 2014, but injuries have kept him out. So we have a very unique German squad. You have a very... A good mixture of youth and experience. But what I saw was a lack of leadership. I I saw in the 2014 side, Bastian Schweinsteiger. I saw Philipp Lahm, both players for Bayern Munich, both on the pitch field generals. These guys command, you respect them, you follow them. They're natural-born leaders. They've been doing this their entire lives. And there was just something missing, some kind of direction it seemed like missing on the pitch for this German side. You had Leon Goretzka, you had Mesut Ozil, who I claim Mesut Ozil is a clueless boy sometimes out there on the pitch. He looks lost. He looks confused. He gets a lot of hype because he does a lot of good things at Arsenal, gets a lot of assists. But playing for your club team with your players that you play 38 match days with in the Premier League year in, year out, it's not the same as coming together in the World Cup and having to... Come together in a very short amount of time and play with some some of the new players that have come into the squad recently under Joachim Löw and some of the players that, that he knew well. First time in 24, I believe it was 24 matches, against Sweden, he was actually benched. He did not start the game. I thought that was the right decision. I was nothing but not impressed by Mesut Ozil in the opener against Mexico. He also did not impress me yesterday against South Korea Uh, This is a player who I think gets a lot of hype and is possibly outworn as welcome in the national team kit. I would not be sad to not see him at the 2020 European Championship, even more so at the 2022 World Cup. In addition to that, I saw a lot of possession and not a lot of knowing what to do with that possession once in the final third. Germany looked completely lost. Cross after cross after cross into the box, very little direction, very little knowledge or seemingly forethought of what to do with the ball. Yeah, you can possess the ball. That's not a problem. Uh, You know, Bayern Munich is a prime example of that. They, They are a possession team that goes into these Champions League semifinals against Real Madrid or Barcelona or Atletico Madrid, and they have possession and they lose every single time. Is it a coincidence that a lot of the players for the German national team play for Bayern Munich? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe it is, but they possessed the ball over sixty percent of the time yesterday against South Korea. Yet they lost two nil. Uh, you have some really interesting issues here with this team because there, there is, there is going to be a changing of the guard uh, for for. I don't know, 2020 at the European Championship, but certainly by 2022, we're going to see some new players. Is it the players, though, that Joachim Löw left at home that are going to be more of an interesting topic? Mario Götze, who is responsible for the goal that gave Germany the World Cup Championship in 2014. Leroy Sané, one of the most exciting players in the world, I won't even say in the Premier League, in the world, was left at home in favor of what? Uh, uh, Leon Goretzka, or, you know, uh, uh, um, Julian Droxler. Uh, Julian Droxler is a fine player, but he's not as good as Leroy Sane. I would have definitely made that swap and left Sane in the squad and sent Droxler home. Uh, there's just so much that I saw was wrong. Now, in the qualifiers, Leroy went with a 3 4 3 and experimented sometimes with a 3 5 1 1. So he played with three at the back a lot. He went to three at the back yesterday, way too late in the game. If anyone watched Borussia Dortmund in the first half of the season, there was a manager by the name of Peter Bosch who coached Dortmund. And after about six or seven match days, the rest of the Bundesliga figured out what they were doing very quickly. You have Socrates, Lukas Piszczek, Marcel Schmelzer, and Omer Toprak in your back four. None of them were speedy players. None of them can get back quick enough. If you play a high line, you get burned. Well, it, would, it took about seven or eight match days, and Dortmund did just that. Germany played almost identical to me for many, many minutes in this World Cup of how you ultimately, without speed in the back four, can easily lose to inferior opponents. Matsoumels is a world-class defender, but he is not speedy. Jerome Boateng, not the fastest guy, not not necessarily slow, but he needs to watch out sometimes where he is positioned on the pitch. Obviously, German wingers, they play high up the pitch. They support the attack. So you have Joshua Kimmich and whoever else is manning the opposite side are going to move up, whether that be Jonas Hector or whoever it may be. I think we all saw that uh, we were disappointed by certain players. uh, And... There were some opportunities yesterday against South Korea. Obviously, Hummels had the header. There was a Goretzka header that was basically on target, but right into the hands of the South Korean keeper. Utterly unimpressed by the lethargic, seemingly uninspired performance against Mexico. This is what started it all off. And I I, I thought to myself, we're going to find out really quickly if this is a one-off or if this is going to be the trend for this tournament. Quickly turn out to be the trend for the tournament. They looked seemingly the same against Sweden. I didn't see much improvement. They did manage to get a 2-1 result out of that match thanks to a probably what should be the goal of the tournament. I mean, Toni Kroos, he, that free kick is, is, what, is what football dreams are made of. This is, this is kind of what you dream of as a kid. To have a, a free kick from that angle in the World Cup with elimination staring you in the face and he just, he just he just delivers. I mean, Toni Kroos, one of the few players for Germany that actually did deliver. So getting back to the formations that Joachim Löw had during qualifications, where Germany, mind you, was a perfect 10-for-10. 10 10. They had 10 wins, no losses, no draws. They were the only team in Europe that could claim that. No, Spain did not do that. England did not do that. Belgium did not do that. Only Germany. In this tournament, Joachim Löw goes with a 4-2-3-1. Uh, not necessarily a bad move, I don't think, as far as a uh, formation goes, but the tactics seemed confusing sometimes for the players. They looked. Uh, I, I saw Tomas Muda really yelling at his teammates more times than I can remember uh, in, in 2014 through seven matches combined, much less three. A lot of frustration, a lot of discombobulation, a lot of uh, seemingly... Uh, confusion in the German team. I think Joachim Löw made the wrong personnel decisions. I think he left a lot of players home that maybe he should have taken. I don't know that Manuel Neuer was the best selection for keeper since he missed the entire Bundesliga campaign. Uh, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen played the season for Barcelona that he played. By the way, Barcelona lost one match, one match in La Liga the entire season. I would say, based on that, that Ter Stegen definitely earned himself the starting position. In the friendlies in the warm-ups before the World Cup, Manuel Neuer looked slow. He looked like he was making mental errors, judgment errors even, which is something completely out of out of character for him. This whole team looked out of sync and did not look like it fit. It just looked odd. And as a result, they are now the third consecutive defending champions to go home. And it's a shame because I think there's so much talent here. This is a complete waste of a world cup for this German national team. With that being said, uh, Jack, I know that you uh, obviously one of the players that was making his world cup debut, Leon Goretzka is very near and dear to your heart as you followed him for years at Schalke. What are your impressions? What, what did you see in this German team? What, what, why do you think they went out as early as they did? And if you were Joachim Nerve, do you agree with the 23 man roster that he took? And do you agree with the tactics tactics that he used?
1: Uh, well, first of all, Leon Goretzka is officially dead to me. Um, <laughs> so I wonder why let's, let's get that <laughs> straight first. No, uh, because
0: he's going to
2: Liverpool,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, 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 right. I'd be, I'd be more happy about that. Believe me. Um, yeah, anyway, I mean, a lot to respond to there. Uh, personally, I mean, I was not as high on Germany coming into the tournament as I think some people were, but Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't mean I did not expect them to advance from the group stage. I mean, this is obviously um, a a massive shock, maybe not put in the historical context, um, you know, given that this has happened three consecutive times, four out of the last five. But uh, even so, you know, a team with this much experience, both in terms of the personnel and, you know, the coaching um, and a team that had the, the qualifying record that you mentioned and all that. I mean, yeah, this is this is a team that you would expect to uh, not only advance from the group stage, but to, to make a little bit of a run uh, as well at a minimum. And uh, I mean, particularly in the group that they were in, uh, you know, don't notice respect to uh, Korea, Sweden, Mexico, but um, I mean, come on. Like, I mean, I think, I think pretty much everybody who's filling out a bracket has Germany finishing top of that group. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think some of the question marks really started, like you said, in, in some of those, Warm-up friendlies, and then also as we started to get a sense of what the what the 23-man roster was going to be, once that team sheet kind of picture started coming together, and um, you know I think we absolutely I don't know why I said we I'm um, sorry uh, I, I think uh, Germany absolutely missed the presence of of Mario Goetze. I think his his counter-pressing in particular is is something that is a, a valuable skill that he brings to the table that somebody like Mesut Ozil does not. Um, as good as Mesut Ozil is, I think you saw that in a game like the Mexico game where, um, you know, when Germany's turning the ball over, uh, they're having difficulty uh, stopping teams for, from breaking immediately on them. Um, and that's what Mexico did a lot there. And that was that was a huge problem. So I think, um, you know, Gertzler brings a lot to it at the table in that regard. And um, yeah, Leroy Zane as well. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion from a lot of people. Um, especially in the Twitter sphere, saying that, ah, uh, you know, Germany didn't advance because they didn't have Leroy Zane. I mean, I am absolutely not in that camp. There was a whole lot wrong with this team beyond Leroy Zane's uh, absence. But uh, for me, it was a shocking omission from the 23-man roster. It, as you said, mm-hmm. one of the brightest talents in world football. He's he's an electrifying talent. Um, you know, it, what was it like 14? W- w- he had the most assists in the uh, the Premier League, didn't he? Maybe second to. Kevin De Bruyne, I mean, the, the guy had yeah. an incredible season.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, uh, you know, I think there was definitely times in some of these matches as well where, you know, Germany was playing uh, pretty narrow and really could have used somebody that would, would be able to run off the edge and get behind the defense and play some balls across. And that's, you know, that's that's Leroy Zane's bread and butter. That's how he makes his living. And, um, you know, especially in this, this last Korea game, I don't think Hector was getting forward enough. And like I said, everyone else was playing a little bit too narrow. And, um, you know, these are these are bigger missions that I that I definitely think uh, hurt them. And there's certainly questions to be asked of uh, of live and uh, some people, their so-called uh, loyalty players yep. that, that he picks consistently, kind of regardless of form or tactics, that kind of thing. That's certainly a question mark. But um, I think the other thing I'd say is I, I probably agree with you that there wasn't really a clear leader out there. I think maybe the closest thing to it you could say was tony Cruz to some extent
2: yeah yeah uh, yeah, you know,
1: yeah this is a big match player on a club level and obviously in you know world cup as well and um he definitely seemed to be the only person that was kind of level headed in the marshall team to some extent but yeah i mean those are philip blum is 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 a massive uh massive loss not just as a player but as a presence in the locker room and on the pitch as well and um yeah, I mean, there's a lot more to say, but I'll, I'll, let, I'll let Alex jump in here. But yeah, it's it's a very disappointing tournament from them, and uh, a lot of a lot of soul searching for Germany to do in the the coming days and coming years.
0: Alex, uh, so as it pertains to Germany, uh, do you did you see with this roster maybe the favoritism kick in? You watch obviously Premier League, so you know Manchester City. He selects Ilke Gundogan to go. He leaves Leroy signing at home, and I I. All due respect to Ilkay Gundogan. And I think that Leroy Sané obviously wouldn't have played in the midfield. He would have probably lined up as a winger. But you have to look at the, at, at, at what the, those two players bring to the table individually. Sané is five times the player that Gundogan is. I mean, he absolutely is. A dynamic player who can create, score. Uh, just baffling to me about how static but what i want to ask you more than anything is this 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 german team the way they play they play very much like Bayern. they play possession football and it goes back to the book that Ralph honigstein wrote about uh dust reboot do you think the teams now know how to beat germany in other words let them have possession we will soak up and, and let them have possession we'll, be, we'll, we'll put 10 guys in the box we'll absorb the pressure and they play the high line we'll quickly hit them on the counter and score is it too predictable now for Germany do they have to change things since they've been doing seemingly the same thing now for a decade
3: um, well first of all um, very well summed up both of you um, I know exactly where to start <laughs> not um, okay, so that's a good question. Um, thought I had is when you were talking about um, the qualification process, where they were, you know, came in perfection. Mm-hmm. I think they could have done with at least a draw, or more, most certainly a loss, coming into the World Cup, which normally gives teams a little bit of a kick up the arse. They didn't feel any pressure, really at the time, that they were kind of slacking. They already won the World Cup four years ago. Slightly less hungry than most, because they'd just come off of a win. I know it was four years ago, but it's still the last time you are able to win it. Yep. Um, so that, I think, had a part to play in it. So, so, so uh, you know, you said earlier, so much was wrong. But what was wrong? You know, you, it's hard to put a finger in it, especially... You know, yesterday, where if they won, they would have gone through. Their 26 shots, none went in. You know, yeah. If one or two went in, we wouldn't be saying what was so wrong, even though there probably was, and it would have been overlooked. So this has really given visibility to to a lot of analysis that is going to go wrong, has gone wrong now. So the, there's a bit of a dynamic there. It's it's the results give give that visibility of the shocking group stage they've had. I think Jack is right. Tony Cruz could help, you know, hold his head up high with his performances. Um, same with Matt Hummels. Them too, you know, had the joint most goal attempts on yesterday with five. So, you know, I know he said Matt Hummels wasn't speedy and he isn't, but he, he was certainly speedy enough and, and had the awareness to, to get into those positions to get those that joint most goal attempts. Um, yeah, Neuer as well. That's a good point on Stegan. Stegen. ter um, uh, Stegen, he, he should have definitely been in contention. Um, seems like Neuer was just having fun and, and wasn't really taking it seriously, setting towards the end of the last game. He's always seemed to me to wanting to play outfield. <laughs> he wants that opportunity. <laughs> and, you know, his his antics and goalkeeper arrogance with some mad skills, you know, he's always almost got a name for it. Um, and that obviously Gamble didn't pay off. But yeah, in the same breath, that was actually quite refreshing to see a goalkeeper going up at that late stage of the game. I've seen so many, you know, um, important games where, the goalkeepers wanted to come up and stayed, so I, uh, you know, fair play to him for doing that. It obviously didn't work out, but <laughs> no, it didn't. Um, yeah, I mean, well, at least there's no chance of fucking England playing Germany on penalties. Right. <laughs> no, there's
0: not. Uh, let me <laughs> ask you this, uh, Alex. They are
3: uh, a tournament team. Sorry, go on. No,
0: what I was going to ask you: Is you talking about Neuer having fun, but at the same time? I don't know that he truly earned that position. I mean, it, it, it's 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 hard for me to sit here and say, look at your stat sheet. What did you do in 2017-18? Oh, you did nothing. You didn't even play. And, you know, I, I mentioned this to Richard Carmen on the podcast about three weeks ago that there were comments coming out that basically Neuer had said, if I go to Russia and I'm not the number one, then just leave me off the team. And I mean, that's, he's... He's also made some comments recently about how shitty Schalke was his final season there, that if without him, they would have gotten relegated, which I think is ab- completely absurd. Neuer has developed an arrogance and a cockiness about him that is not uh, very endearing, I-, I should say. I don't know no. what he... I think I that think the, the Kroos, as you said, he did play well. But, but, but Alex, two goals scored in this entire group stage by Germany. They scored seven against Brazil in one game in 2014. Seven. Yeah. They scored Marco Reus. I, I, my, I, my heart goes out to him. I, I'm so happy that he scored a goal in this in this tournament. And the mm-hmm. other one was Tony Kroos. They scored two against Sweden, none against Mexico, and none against South Korea. So to your point, yeah, they, they had 26 shots yesterday against South Korea, but they easily could have lost to Sweden, and they did lose to Mexico. So basically, if you... Have them. You could you could swap out the South Korea game. Let's say they did win yesterday. Well, if they lost to Sweden, they would have been eliminated uh, last Saturday. So it wouldn't have even mattered. You could get your three points either way you want to get it. But they needed six to advance, and they and they couldn't get the job done. So there's so much that just looked off, and it's not just the shots. It's it's the conversion converting your chances into what counts the most. You know, teams like Atletico Madrid get one or two breakaways. And they and, and Griezmann sinks them. And he does the same for France. Germany basically, I, I never saw them really have an effective fast break. They never, I, I the, their their counterpress looked odd and it looked out of sync. And the teams opposing them didn't look out of sync and didn't look odd. They 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 looked like they were on the same page. It just there was something completely off about this team. And just it, it did not look and, and it, maybe you're right, maybe it's the hunger. Uh, you know, maybe it's like you said, coming off the 2014 World Cup. But something has got to change. Just like what happened with Spain after 2014. Germany has to has to have some 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 uh how how should I say some some self-reflection, if you will, because this result, uh one more like this, and Lerv can kiss his uh 2022 contract extension goodbye. He will be out long before the next World Cup.
3: So uh Yeah, I think um yeah, like you said, taking your chances means means the most in any game of football, soccer. But in a knockout tournament like the World Cup, it's amplified. It's amplified ten times. You, it, it's the first thing you need to think about is converting your chances because early early stages getting those points on the board is the most. It's so important. But they didn't do that, and they put themselves under more pressure. And and losing you know, not having, you know, the, like Philip Philip Lahm or you know, World Cup top scorer like closer, and and even like a key dressing room figure like Murdersaker, or retiring, you know, you're missing those big personalities mm-hmm. that 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 you need to have on the pitch to deal with that kind of pressure. Um, they I think they just came in a bit too arrogant, and and coupled with not finishing their chances and and that giving them a bit of a shock and the last game having to win it, it just it just didn't seem like what do you call it in german Tur- turn Mannschaft, a tournament team yes yes that's the correct terminology yep you you nailed it yep. right on the head <laughs> they they are kind of a tournament team but it just completely fucked up this time um and i remember talking to you about it that that win against sweden yeah, you know, I think we both felt that it was kind of short-lived. It would have been short-lived, and it it just didn't seem anywhere near like the team they were last World Cup. No, but yeah, I, I love Germany as a team, and, and you know they did. You know some of the players did their absolute best, uh, like Ruiz, Cruz, Hummels. Um, it didn't just didn't happen that way, and and Sane was a big loss. He was one of the best players in the Premier League-winning team. For God's sake, that alone. That alone should tell you that was a massive Mm fuck-up. Couldn't
0: agree more. Jack, uh, we're going to close out this topic, but I'm going to finish with you. I want to ask you uh, two questions. One, well, I'm going to make a statement then I'm going to ask you a question. This is the first time that Joachim Löw in a major tournament has failed to make the semifinals. So he he has made the semifinals in every single tournament that he's managed Germany. This is the first time in history in history, that Germany has not made it out of the group stage in a World Cup. This is monumental failure. With that said, having won the Confederations Cup last year with the B team, having won the 2014 World Cup, and having made every semifinal that he's ever managed in as Germany manager, does Löw get a pass and this gets to be a mulligan and he gets to prove himself one more time in 2020 at the European Championship? Or have you seen enough and he's become too predictable?
1: Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're asking me what I what I think is going to happen, I don't know. If you're asking me what I think should happen, um, I also don't know. I mean, listen. As you said, this guy has had an absolutely incredible run as as the manager of Germany. Um, you know, his record speaks for itself. I mean, I don't I don't have to explain it. You just went and do it there. Um, and now that he's had, you know, maybe three bad games um suddenly everyone's calling for his head and i understand this is the biggest stage this is what it's all about everything else um you know in, in the cycle between cups doesn't really matter if you if you don't perform on this stage but uh i mean it's a tough question i mean do you do you get rid of a guy that ha- has done so much for so long do you think that um if there was some some arrogance or complacency on his part that this would be a wake up call for him and he'd be able to bounce back i'm not sure um it's it's definitely a difficult question but uh regardless of whatever happens with him I think we can all agree that uh you know he deserves a lot of credit for what he's done sure um yeah in, in the past and he's going to go down as you know an all-time great yep. in terms of uh you know national team managers but um it's going to be a hairy few days for him I, I would imagine
0: I think that I think as I, as I uh, contributed to our good friend George Bennett on uh, GB articles, uh, he had me uh, give him some statements on what I thought. He wrote an article today about Germany's failures, and I, I was able, he wanted me to contribute. And I simply said, uh, long story short, he absolutely deserves to stay. I think he's done enough in, since 2006 when he took over for Jurgen Klinsmann. He's been nothing but absolutely stellar. Uh, one bad tournament does not define your career. And I'm a stern believer and if you built something and it goes to rubble you're the best person to build it back up again and i think that he everyone deserves a second chance this is his this is his first failure ever ever so i think he should be the germany manager in 2020 at the european championship and i think that germany will rise from the ashes and 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 you know come back again but this is um this is one for the ages, boys. It, it really is. Uh, moving on real quick, I do want to talk about the other slightly big name that was eliminated. We'll, we're going to hit on this real quick. Uh, and only because, really, of one player. Uh, Poland was also eliminated from the group stage and did not make it to the round 16. Robert Lewandowski, arguably one of the top five, if not top three, strikers in the world. Seemingly cannot get it done on the international level. Uh, guys, how how... How big of a deal is it that Poland was eliminated from the group stage? Because I actually had them going into the quarterfinals of this tournament. I, I I can check it out three weeks ago on the podcast, but I'm pretty sure I had them going to the quarters, where they lost to Germany of all teams. So but it, of course both of them are gone now. So it doesn't really matter. But uh, Jack, how how, how surprised are you that Lewandowski again comes up with just a complete and utter disappointment when it went on the grandest stage. This goes back, mind you. To his Champions League failures at Bayern. I think this ties into that. Does it or does it not?
1: I mean, yeah, that's definitely going to be a narrative, and, and I've heard a lot of that. Uh, I think you and I differ on Poland a little bit. I, I didn't expect quite as much from them. I, I think, I mean, when I filled out my bracket personally, I did have them advancing in, in the second position, uh, second to Colombia, but um, that's because, I mean, let's be honest, I, I would be lying to you if I told you I watched any of Senegal's qualifying or any of Japan, So sure, these are not sure. teams that I am nearly as familiar with as I probably should be. So I kind of picked Poland by default, but, um, well, Jack, I mean.
0: Jack I mean, though, it's Jack funny that like most of Japan's team plays in the Bundesliga. I mean, I mean, they have a ton of German league no, players. They really
1: do. Yeah, they do. They do. What About that. there's definitely some name recognition on that squad and on Senegal as well, to be fair. Um, but you know, I was having a conversation pre-tournament, um, and one of the things that came up was like yeah you know Lewandowski's going to be in that in the conversation for for Golden Boot or whatever and personally I, I just don't think he has the service to really justify i mean I, I don't think he has the squad around him to create enough chances for him to be the kind of player he has at Bayern Munich that Bayern Munich squad is a completely squad is and i'm not trying to you know come down on the the, the talent of Poland too much but um you know striker is a position that and feel free to take issue with this, but at least to me, is arguably more affected by the rest of your teammates than almost any other position on the pitch. Um, you know, because sometimes if you're up there in the center, you can be on an island, and I think you saw in a lot of these games how deep Lewandowski was dropping back, trying to get a touch on the ball, trying to get involved, trying to get the offense going, and, and for me, that's not really where he is most effective. I mean, the guy's got great skills on the ball. He can dribble, you know, from deeper and, and, and make runs and everything, but um, this is a guy that needs to be in and around the box, finishing chances and, you know, causing defenders problems. And when he's dropping back and, you know, into the midfield deeper and, and trying to, you know, create that, he's really just kind of taken out of his, his game, in my opinion. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, Poland for me was not a shock. Um, but I also didn't expect them to probably be as poor as they were. I'll say that because they, they were pretty, pretty useless in this tournament.
0: Uh, Alex, real quick, thoughts on Poland
3: okay well going in um i thought this group was probably the most uh, close group that was i mean i couldn't call it um you would have thought colombia possibly Poland and senegal but then you can rule out japan because they've got some fantastic players as well um i agree with jack um, lewandowski is obviously the big name player But for his country, I don't think he's dealt with the responsibility as much as other players and other teams have. Obviously, number one would be Ronaldo. He hasn't had that. um, Yeah, obviously, you need a fucking team around you and close to you in the attacking third to give you that supply. Um, I mean, I'm not sure what his stats were um, this, this, this group stage but obviously wasn't very good not Mm-mm. good enough anyway um it wasn't that surprising um it was it, i think it would have been slightly more surprising if he scored a hat-trick here and two goals there because of the opponents were pretty evenly matched i thought um yeah uh, it's one of those it's it's it is a talk, It is a big talking point, but not as big as some others. I mean, Poland going out wasn't didn't ruffle any surprises here or there. To be honest. Yeah. Um,
0: well, to Robert, yeah. Robert Lewandowski, all I say is, in the words of Justin Timberlake, "Cry me a river." Anyways, sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's pretty good singing, voice. Well, shit, I'm impressed. Thank- that- <laughs> well, thank you, man. I, I practice on Rock Band all the time. I have to get my my JT in, you know. <laughs> Um. So we're gonna move back to another topic real quick that that reared its uh, uh very controversial, very controversial head today. The uh something fair play bullshit uh, ruling about uh my team didn't kick you in the balls uh, more than your team kicked me in the balls, so you got more yellows and I got more reds. And there's a lot of ketchup and mustard and yeah, all this stuff. Uh, Senegal eliminated. By this ruling from the World Cup, Japan advances to the round of 16 because of FIFA, fair play, something, something. So, guys, if you're drawn even on points, goals, what is it, goals for, goals against, goal differential, uh, whatever it is. I mean, how far down does this thing go exactly in the tiebreaker?
1: I mean I think it's just uh you know, points, uh goal differential goals and then the fair play. I think it's the fourth level. If I'm is not it mistaken. the fourth
0: level? Okay.
1: So what what do we what what do we
0: collectively think about this?
1: This is a joke. I mean, come on. This is such a stupid concept. I mean the fact that this Senegal team is going home on the backs of the kind of performance that Japan put in today, really non football if you ask me. Yep. Um it's uh, just, I mean, for a lot, for, you know, having slightly more yellow cards or whatever. And, and it, for me, the whole problem, I mean, it's part of the problem is um, the notion of yellow cards ultimately automatically being equated with like a lack of fair play. Like what do we define as fair play, right? I mean, not every yellow card offense is a quote unquote dirty tackle or, or you know, a piece of bad sportsmanship or something. I mean, I think, I think tactical fouls have a place in this game. And I think sometimes, you know, in the course of just good hard football, um you know some things can happen that uh maybe deserve a yellow but isn't necessarily a team exhibiting a, a lack of you know quote fair play it's, to me it's just a stupid concept um it's it, to me it seems like kind of something that the marketing people drew up being like you know we're fifa and we reward fair play and good it's 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 nonsense it's 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 childish
0: and of course alex i know you love it so you have to defend it now i'm just kidding no give me give me your give me your thoughts on this, uh, FIFA fair play, uh, yellow card, red card, green card, blue card uh, ruling that that ultimately saw Liverpool's Sadio Mane ejected from the World Cup. This is total bullshit.
3: Yeah, I mean, imagine that at the World Cup finals. One all after extra time. You go, oh, he's had one more yellow card than us today. Just give it to him. Fuck off. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's crazy. I mean... You also leave it down to the interpretation of a referee and possibly VR, but that's another story. It, it is farcical how this, I, I mean, none of us really, well, I don't know anybody that was talking about it before the World Cup and it's going to be a big talking point. But, <clears throat> it, you know, some of these group, end of group stages are really tight. Um, and and it's probably going to be a matter of time before this came into an effect, and obviously did today, it's just so unfair. I mean, it it almost... um, just Let me think of the word. It it doesn't make the team want to attack with, with, you know, playing to the absolute best, absolute fastest strongest performance because if that's in the back of your mind you're going to dip out of that tackle you're not going to go for that ball Mm -hmm. and what does that leave for the fans you know football is about the last millimeter that counts so at this late stage and this importance you can't bring in such a fucking like jack said a childish rule that has the biggest effect on countries in in the biggest sporting tournament in the planet. Every four years, it's it's farcical, man.
0: Uh, it's Jack, let me ask you this: if you're if you're let's let's say in this situation you are in Iran or a Morocco and you're playing Spain, and you know in Iran's case they had a win, and you're thinking. Well, I don't want to be, I, you know, you're, I have to be aggressive, but I don't want to, I don't want, I, you know, you're that has to be in the back of your mind, doesn't it? Because if a Spanish counterattack comes up, strategic, uh, fouling, as you said before, is absolutely a part of the game. And now you're thinking, oh, well, you know, let's let's let uh Ramos play from the back and then let's let uh Isco do his thing and then let's let um you know, uh, uh, whoever do whatever. And Iran has to be thinking, uh, perhaps less aggressively. Does that, does that play in your mind is, 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 well, if I have a tiebreaker, I, I, I don't want to have more yellow cards than than the next team or more red cards than the next team, because then I won't advance, even though I I earned it on points.
1: First of all, thanks for the Morocco shout out. Big fan of the Morocco performance in this world cup. (laughs) I've been joking with my friends. I think that Morocco is the, uh, the best team to practically get almost no wins uh, in a world cup ever. I really enjoy their football. Anyway, uh, I digress. Yeah. Um, I think part of the problem, as you just pointed out is, uh, that rule would seem to benefit larger teams, more talented teams um, with maybe, you know, some more technical skill and, and, you know, some of these, you know, smaller countries that maybe don't have quite that level of talent. I mean, tactical fouls come into play. You need to, you need to find a way to, Maybe muck up the game a little bit, be physical, kind of disrupt the rhythm of an opponent. Um, and yeah, you can't have guys like Isco in, the, in company and David Siller just you know running all over you. You have to find a way to kind of uh, negate some of that. And I, and I think there's a difference between that and you know a bunch of dangerous, cynical fouls, you know that are that are meant to injure people or you know really just stop anybody from playing any kind of football at all, or you know something between that or like a you know Luis Suarez handball to stop a goal coming in that we've seen from him before like stuff like that to me that's an example of you know what you could call um you know not fair play or something but the rest of this is I mean it, yeah it's it's an absolute joke for me it, it really is
3: yeah it really is i mean if you if you're scoring a winning goal that takes you well you think it's going to take you through in like 5 minutes to go but then it, someone equalizes afterwards and you take a shirt off for example or or whatever or go into the fans and you just lose your head and it's fine. But then you get a yellow card and that takes you out. This stuff can happen. It's all in it's Wouldn't all in That,
0: root, that so. would be so fucking amazing if, like, Argentina scores against Nigeria and somehow ended up level points and then Messi takes his fucking shirt off and he gets a yellow card and Argentina gets booted because, I mean, that, but that's a that's a that's a scenario that we've now been presented with. It's not it's not I mean, we joke about it and we laugh about it, but it's a real fucking thing now.
1: Oh, it absolutely is. I mean it, it, and players should you know know better than to take their shirt off in that situation because they know they're gonna get a card. But I mean, how ridiculous is it if that was actually what happened? It's the emotion oh, oh, yeah, though. Yeah. it's the, the, the emotion is over because one of your eleven players removed an article of clothing for ten seconds.
2: Yeah. That
0: makes I sense. I would love to see the media shitstorm if that's how Messi got eliminated from a World Cup. It would be epic. Just epic. The the, the Twitter would
3: like we
0: the whole app would blow up.
3: I mean there's so many other options you could discuss. Yeah. They should get rid of it now before the last 16, like fresh state. You know, most like I don't know do a penalty shootout or even most you
0: know, well, you can't. The thing if, of that is, um, Alex, if you, if you have a the penalty shootout, though, the two teams might not be present that are tied. One might be in Moscow, and the other one might be in St.
1: Petersburg. You have them shoot on empty nets from different locations. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yes. But you see like these uh, slow, like ten kilometer per hour rolls into the goal. Like they just, they just like uh, uh, it's like a bowling, like like with kids bowl, and they had the little like rubber. Uh, bouncy things on the sides. That's yeah. what the, the players would like, literally no one would do anything fancy. They would just sit there and it'd be like a 999 out of 999 made, and someone finally like falls asleep and misses the 1000. That would just be great. I mean, um, we
3: play a game of darts. I don't know.
0: Yeah, something. I mean, that's uh, play some FIFA online or something if you can't be in the same location. Shit. I mean, you know, that's you know, whatever it takes, but that's Any- anything's better than this. bullshit I mean, li- literally. Um, all right, gentlemen, well, we have uh, covered the sort of disappointments. We almost, we almost would have talked about Argent-fucking-Tina. I'm so pissed off about that not happening. But anyways, uh, we, we, we almost would have talked about them. But um, Victor Moses and company were not able to get the job done. And uh, Argentina moves through by the skin of their teeth, just like they qualified by the skin of their teeth. But that's going to be coming to an end soon. We'll get to that we'll get to that because we're going to start talking about the round of 16 and our predictions for the remainder of what is coming up this weekend and into early next week. All right, so round of 16. Uh first matchup we have I think is the sec I think it's the second best matchup honestly on paper in the round of 16. I think it's this is a very sexy matchup. You have uh obviously one of the better teams in South America, Uruguay led by Luis Suarez. Uh, Alex, who you and I know very well, and uh, uh, Edison Cavani, of course, going up against Portugal, which is basically Ronaldo, 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 and Ronaldo, and Raf Guerrero, and Joao Mario, and Ronaldo, and Corresma and Ronaldo. So what do we expect from this match? Obviously, the winners get to the quarterfinals, no shock there. After a disappointing twenty fourteen, where Portugal did not advance, but the United States did in the group stage, you got to think Ronaldo, even with that European Championship in his pocket, he's going to be looking to do some damage here. I see a, a motivated Ronaldo in this match. I, I think Portugal goes through two to one against Uruguay. I think they go to the quarterfinals. Uh, just I think that if Portugal kind of looked like they 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 they, they looked to me as they did in the Spanish in the Spain game. Like, they're playing up to the competition a little bit, and that's kind of what Real Madrid does. So, kind of Ronaldo-esque. They seemingly can get beat by Girona in La Liga, but when they play Barcelona, they have a good chance of winning. And this Portugal team seems the same. They they obviously played their asses off against Spain and got a well-deserved 3-3 draw. Um, and then, of course, played down to Morocco. And I know, Jack, you said Morocco one of the better sides to not get a win. But and at the end of the day, I think we can all agree Portugal has more talent than Morocco. So uh should have won that match. Didn't. It cost them the group. They ended up finishing second. Like I said, I think Portugal is going to win this uh, just based on the fact that they have, in my opinion, the best player in the world on their team right now. Uh, what, what do you guys think? Uh, Alex, starting with you what, do you, what do you see in this match?
3: Um, <clears throat> it's going to be probably the most dramatic I think um, there's going to be a lot of um, instances off the ball mm-hmm. that are going to be talking points. I think you've got a lot of snarling, cynicism, and basically willingness to do fucking anything to win. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
3: But then you've got, and also you've got Ronaldo's, you know, non-stop emotion. Um, you've got the Portugal team that's just come off a, fantastic european championship win Mm -hmm. only a couple of years ago so most of these players have playing in the last couple of years on a a lot of confidence and a big high you know it didn't win it convincingly but it it doesn't really matter at the end of the day you've won a european championship and that's kind of a big monkey off your shoulders especially for Naldo. you know one of the best players in the world
0: alex alex and it should be noted alex some people think that winning a european championship is harder than winning a world cup so that should be taken into consideration
3: that's a bloody good point because you don't have um, You don't have players.
0: Senegal or Panama playing in Europe.
3: Tunis <laughs> uh, t- or Right. Yeah. Or Germany. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Ouch.
0: Ouch. Jesus. Ow. That hurt. Fuck. Jesus. Alex. Anyway, Alex too soon, man. Jesus Christ. Man, you know. <laughs> I mean threw a curveball there, mate. Yeah, you did. Your attention, hasn't it? yeah, you did. i um, that bourbon, uh, it's not not good. I'm I'm I mean, lightning quick reflexes now since you brought that damn thing to the table. Wow, wow, that mile has got me aggressive. <laughs> it's supposed to mellow you yeah. out, man. I don't know what the fuck's going on. So, anyway, sorry, I I I, I interrupted you though. So, uh, go ahead, keep keep on with your no, your Uruguay. Your um,
3: I've got a feeling that, um, it's going to be a draw. This is going to be the first game to go to extra time. Um you know they've they've had a few chances um, in the group stages that they haven't taken quite quite a few. Certainly Uruguay. Um, I think it's going to be a low scoring game. If um, it's probably going to be a Ronaldo goal. Mm-hmm. He seems to just absorb the responsibility and and absolutely deal with it immensely. Um, and every time you think he like, he just can't do that and he just delivers. Um, so he's obviously him and Suarez. I think are the Going to be the ones to watch. Maybe Suarez versus Pepe. That'll be an interesting matchup. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I still want to see Ronaldo make himself look like a fucking twat and lift his shorts up again. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Jack, I was going to ask you two questions. One, what's the over under on the amount of times that Ronaldo lifts his shorts up? And two, can Portugal's back line. Can they keep Luis Suarez and Cavani out of the
1: net more than once? This is a game that honestly I, I have no read on because I, I don't really know how good Uruguay is, and I'm not really convinced that Portugal's that great either. I mean, yeah, you can talk about uh, the European Championship that Portugal won, but they were garbage in that tournament. I still don't understand how they won that tournament. I, I, a, lot I, I nils,
0: a lot of one nils, a lot of one nils, a lot of
1: one nils. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't quite like you know the Spain one 0s that we were getting when they won the World Cup, though. I mean, this was a Portugal team that was exceedingly unconvincing, in my opinion. Yeah, I just don't disagree somehow with you. kept getting you know the, the Real Madrid black magic or whatever, just having yep. all those on the squad. Yep. Um, mm. and, and coming up with ways to to eat these results out, but um,
2: in their me, defense,
0: you know, why... though, in their defense, very quickly, sorry to interrupt. They did beat France without Ronaldo as he got injured 10 minutes into that final match. So they, they, they beat the hosts, France, who were absolutely better than them on paper in every aspect minus Ronaldo. And Ronaldo went out and Portugal still found a way to win. So for that alone, my hat is off to them.
1: That is, that is definitely true. That is true. Um, but I think France is better than a lot of people on paper in this tournament as well. And I wouldn't say that France has blown anybody away either. Um, I don't know. I mean, listen, I mean, Uruguay's opponents in the group stage are, you have, you have Russia, you have Saudi Arabia and Egypt. And yes, Russia scored eight goals, four times as many as Germany. Um, but I mean, once those two teams met up, I think you saw that Russia came down to earth a little bit. And that was a pretty comprehensive, you know, three, no victory for Uruguay. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Godin is a monster in the back line. Um, he continues to be one of the you know one of the best at that position in the world, if not you know the best. The guys the guy's insane. Um, I would agree that I think if, if Portugal go through, it's going to be on the back of more Ronaldo magic somehow. Um, it's really hard to bet against him, uh, but I am going to go and head and say that Uruguay gets through one nil maybe 1-1 one, one, and then advances on penalties. Okay. Something like that. I think it's going to be low-scoring. Um, yeah, I mean, as long as Luis Suarez doesn't bite anybody and as long as, you know, Ronaldo doesn't <laughs> pull his shorts up more than 10 times
2: and you know, unleash them.
1: Oh, so, t- so we're going with the over is 10? <laughs> I don't know. I, we'll see. I mean, he's he's going to have to conjure some, you know, some thigh magic, you know, to to probably pull them through this thing, so. Uh it it'll,
0: it'll be interesting. Okay, so you got Uruguay, I got Portugal. Alex, who did you say was going to win? I'm sorry.
3: So I think it'll go to extra time um and then maybe a late Suarez goal, 23rd minute something like that. Hmm. He loves it. Well, um I think in, with Portugal um what we've seen develop certainly through the last European Championships up to now winning that is is the you know the rest of the team if they didn't have Ronaldo in that squad I didn't think they would be performing to their best ability for 90 minutes. I think they would give up a little bit earlier. But because he's in the squad, I think anything can happen with Ronaldo. So they are doing the absolute best around They, they him. definitely feed to, off to, his
1: to, confidence. I think
3: that's a good point. To, yeah. So Ronaldo sort of uh, absorbs the responsibility, but um, feeds out a lot of confidence.
0: You don't think no. that you don't think that that Ronaldo might pull his shorts up and Suarez might get aroused and lose his focus?
3: <laughs> he might get aroused and bite his thigh. No, I don't
1: know. <laughs> oh, man. that would be the perfect storm, wouldn't
3: it? Yeah.
0: Well, I hey, know. Barcelona and and Real Madrid, and it just carries over to Uruguay and Portugal. Why not? Fuck it. Why not?
3: It's gonna be the most heated, no matter what. I think.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so moving on real quick. I don't think we have to talk too much about this. I think that that the uh, PEDs and the steroids and stuff have gotten Russia this far. But skill, ultimately, is what they lack against Spain. I, I don't even need... I'm talking about this is Inesta's last World Cup. He's going to China after this. He's done at Barcelona. This is a new generation. Diego Costa, uh, you know, Isco... Sergio Ramos. This might be uh, his last World Cup. I'm not sure if it's his last, but uh, he's you know he's he's moving up there. This Spanish team is just absolutely far better than the host Russia. Russia should be fortunate to just be in this position. They will quickly exit. I think Spain wins this one easy three three nil four nil. No no questions.
3: Can't rule really like out the home support. Um, okay three one three
0: three one four one. Sorry. You can't rule out Putin rigging it. <laughs> That's a tall order, Jack, to rig it against Spain. That's a tall order because this, this is like this, this. Spain is like Barcelona and Real Madrid and Atlético Madrid, the all-stars of those teams. Like this is a this is a ridiculous side on paper.
1: I, I personally have Spain winning the World Cup in my bracket, so I, I'm I'm right there with you. I think Russia's had some intriguing performances and some intriguing players uh golovin is one yeah golovin um, yeah. who's really impressed me but uh yeah I, I would expect this to be fairly comprehensive for spain as well
3: alex yeah, i think concur yeah i mean it's gonna be i think there's only gonna be one goal in it though one nil two one possibly even three two Shevchenko's on fire whether that's the stars, I don't know. But.
0: Diego Costa will uh he'll bully his way to at least. Yeah, uh, I mean,
3: that. they are a fantastic team on the paper. I mean, so sort of, you know, a lot of these big teams that have had a hiccup, you know, Brazil drawing, Switzerland, obviously don't wanna say it, but Germany going out, you know. But, you know, Spain, again, they're they a team that's that's won it fairly recently. Um they they tend to sometimes take the foot off the gas and, and play like they're. In the Spanish League against the lower teams um, but you know they can often win a game with out of nothing and they have proven that time and time again so I think yeah. there's only one goal in it maybe
0: 2-1 yeah so so Spain advances uh, we have a clean sweep on that uh, all three of us agree on that so this is this is obviously the biggest matchup uh, based on name in the round of 16 This is obviously, in in many years, this would be uh, worthy of a final, of a World Cup final based on name. This is France and Argentina. Argentina has absolutely done nothing to impress anyone. They are lucky to be in this position. They're lucky to be in the tournament outright, but they are certainly lucky. They were in fourth place for most of, when did they play? Tuesday. They were in fourth place for most of Tuesday. They get the winner in the 86th minute and somehow squeaked their way through to the round of 16. It's just amazing how, how Argentina has slithered their way through this, this uh, entire process of the 2018 World Cup qualifiers and, and both the group stage of the actual tournament. I can't see their luck continuing any further. And uh, despite how great Messi thinks he is, or we think he is, or he may be, the the players that you have a choker one of the biggest choke artists in all of football that plays for Argentina and Alex you and I talked about him you know exactly what I'm talking about Gonzalo Higuaín yep. uh that they, they, they won't do if 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 Sergio if if um if aguero or messi does not dominate early and often against France France uh just far too much talent far too much experience in these kind of situations, they have more youth. They have a better coach. Deschamps is obviously a better coach than that mafia hitman that's on the sideline for Argentina. At least that's what he looks like. I, I, I just I don't see any way out of, you know, I'm sorry. I just don't see any way out of this for Argentina. And hey, I may come back next week and, and eat all my words, but I don't think I'm going to. I think France, 2-0, uh, France advances in this one to uh, reach the quarterfinals. What do you guys think? Uh,
3: jack
1: you could yeah i i absolutely concur i think this argentina team is kind of a dumpster fire yep um a lot of people felt that way about them uh going into the tournament uh i was among them uh this is they're an incredibly top heavy team first of all right um but some of that that heft that they have at the top isn't even making its way out of the field in terms of guys like you know dibala and you else you want to talk about and Messi carried this team. How about we talk about final? how about we talk about
0: Mauro Icardi, who's not even in the fucking squad.
1: That's that's another that's another fair yeah, point. Yeah, as we'll, we'll go
0: there. Um, yeah, don't get me started yeah. on that shit. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> um, Messi carried this team to the final in 2014, but mm-hmm. Messi has not been putting in those kind of performances so far in this tournament. Um, mm-hmm. obviously, an incredible goal that he scored against Nigeria. Those first two touches were. Magic and, you know, a pretty pretty ridiculous finish as well. But beyond that, did not impress me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, telegraphing passes, uh, you know, that, that are leading to turnovers, uh, off-the-ball movement is lacking, in my opinion. Um, I mean, you watch the moments leading up to uh, Marcus Rojo's goal that ultimately put them through. Messi's kind of standing around. He looks somewhat disinterested. He almost looks like... Um, like LeBron James at at times when, you know, when things go badly enough for that team, at some point LeBron James just hangs his head and looks like he just completely checks out. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm not even trying anymore. You know what I mean? Just to like say face, whatever. And I've gotten that impression from Messi at times in this tournament. Um, I mean, there's so many things to say about why this team is not operating on, on full cylinders, but going up against a team like France. And like I said, I haven't been impressed with France so far either I mean a narrow win over Australia a narrow win over Peru and a draw against Denmark they're not lighting the world on fire but um, I think it is a better team top to bottom I think it is a team that has more chemistry right now and I think at the end of the day you're right the talent will absolutely win out alright so we got two for
0: France Alex are you going to make it a clean sweep
3: I'm not actually ah
0: shit
2: <laughs> what the fuck man
3: all right, well, explain yourself. Explain I'm yourself. I'm on the fence. I'm pretty much on the fence. I mean, most people probably are going to be realistically coming into this. Um, it's going to be tight odds between the two. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly France, um, you know, Deschamps' team, really haven't fired yet on all cylinders. Um, they sort of squeezed through again, like Jack said, but they kind of slept walked through to the second round, the last 16. Um you know, you've got BAP and Griezmann, um, fantastic talent. And then you've got, you know, Giroud coming on that can, that can change a game, and he does time and time again in the Premier League. Um, so I think France haven't expanded all of their energy, but I think Argentina um, have up to this point. Um, but getting through was a massive relief for Argentina. And do you know who's fresh as well that I think is, is going to start instead of Higuain is Sergio Aguero? Um, he hasn't had many minutes yet um, I think do you know what, I think he's going to be the one to watch obviously as well as Messi Messi's just hit a bit of form but I think Aguero is just chomping at the bit to, to get on that pitch um, I still don't know why he didn't come on and, and or even start the last game but they sneak through and, and I guess in the end deservedly so um, his quality goal by Messi um, yeah, that touch was a game-changing mark. Mark of excellence. There. I mean, there was a quick stat on I saw the other day. Uh, today, I think career goals plus assist. Messi eight six seven. Ronaldo eight six six. But Messi's played one hundred and forty nine games less. You know, he he does know what it takes to take charge. And you know, let's not forget, he took him to the World Cup final last last time. It's, it's but
0: he doesn't have the supporting cast. No. You have a lump of shit named Gonzalo Higuain that is the biggest,
3: most overpaid I, choke artist. And the fuck, he's starting all this time. Yeah, he's missed a couple of sitters already. Yeah, so I can't see him starting at the end of the day. And you got a fresh Agüero that you know won, won Premier Leagues and knows what the pressure's like. Um, it's so close to call. I'm going to go with a one nil Argentina though. All right. All right. Well, I can't one thing, special, but, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I one just thing I will I, say, yeah, go
1: ahead. I don't want to walk this back too much, but the one thing I will say is this might be kind counter, of counterintuitive. We talked about the depth that France has, but if there's one team in terms of form that I might want to play right now, one of the big teams, if I am Argentina, it might be France, because this is a team that in some ways is kind of similar to Germany right now, in my opinion. Um, you know, all the talent in the world, but there's just kind of this malaise about the side. They're not convincing. Um, you know, everyone likes to talk about, and Germany said this in, in the, the you know the run-up to the World Cup as well, that, oh, you know, we're not worried about these performances. We'll turn it on when it matters, right? Like, once we're under the lights, once we're on the big stage, we'll get it done when we need to get it done. Yep. I don't know if you can just flip that switch, and I don't believe that France has quite done that. I mean, you look at the last friendly that France played against you know a bunch of u.s teenagers yeah you know they're trying not to get hurt it's a couple of days before the world cup their minds probably elsewhere but they didn't look good there and they haven't looked much better to me so i mean if there's any team that argentina might want to face it actually might be france from sort of a different angle looking at it and i i guess i wouldn't be shocked if if messi found a way to pull it off but um you know i, I do think france will go through but it's it's not going to surprise me too much i've been underwhelmed by france
3: okay um they played each other four times. Argentina have won every single time. The last time was in 2009,
0: though. Yeah, that's a wow. whole different generation of players. Higuain had not become a choker True. yet, so. So
3: pre-choke <laughs> days,
0: pre-choke days.
3: Sometimes these stats matter, though.
0: Um, I still can't believe that Napoli got 90-something million from Juventus for that piece of shit. Unbelievable. <laughs> what a, What a heist. What a heist. How many Champions Leagues did uh, Higuaín win for Juventus? Yeah, that's how, that's right. Pretty
1: pretty. How did he hurt you?
0: Higuaín 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 goes back to the 2014 World Cup, I believe if I he missed a couple of sitters in that game against Germany and Messi's just looking at him like you fucking piece of shit. Like how how much easier does it get? Yeah. And Messi can basically score a goal off of the shittiest angle possible and Higuain can have a fucking empty goal and miss it five feet in front of it. It's uh, it's unreal. I, I, I The thing about it, Jack, is I, I can't stand players with hype that don't live up to the hype time and time again. And he played for Napoli and he won the Capo Caroniere and he scored all these goals for Napoli and he never won a Scudetto and he didn't do shit in the Champions League. And then Juventus buys him to... To win a Champions League, they buy him for ninety something million euros so that he can help them, quote unquote, win a Champions League. They get to the Champions League final last year, and who scores the fucking goal? Mario Mandzukic. What is he going to do? Not jack shit. He's the he's the most overhyped. I oh my god, I, I is he, just such a shit player. And no one even he remembers that
1: Mandzukic bicycle kick after Gareth Bale's this season. But uh, well, I yeah.
0: Uh, unbelievable yeah it's uh, uh, get what garrett bale did but i mean Manzukich was the was the manzukic was the michael jackson before garrett bale was bruno
3: Mars. so so i haven't seen that bale goal since it went in since the actual goal
0: uh anyways guys moving on real quick uh so we, yeah we do have to get on so we have the netherlands versus oh wait a minute wait a minute there's <laughs> There's Italy. Wait a minute. There's something in that flag. There's a little yep, I it's on it's um yes, the flag has a little thing. It's Croatia. Sorry, I thought it was Holland for a minute. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, uh Aryan Robin and uh yes, you too, Virgil van Dyke, you sexy stud you. Um No, it's it's Croatia versus Denmark, and my god, how good is Croatia? I mean, you've got Perisic, Rakitic, Kovacic, uh Dejan Lovren, you've got Champions League finalists, you've got multi- Champions League winners, you've got, uh, I mean, th- th- this Croatia team is severely, severely under the radar. They, th- this, this team, this team could go all the way. They absolutely have the, 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 the roster to win this tournament. I see nothing in this match other than a Croatia win, and I think it'll be quite a comfortable win. Eriksson's good, Delaney's good, but they're not enough to match Croatia's unbelievable starting 11 when they have their a team in they are a very very good side guys what do you think
3: yeah i mean uh croatia look like a tournament team they look almost as good as germany did in their group stages last time they've controlled the games beautifully you know you know they seem to get the tactics spot on each time. Um, I, yeah, I think you're, you're completely right. It's going to be a convincing winner. Three, maybe 4-0. Denmark don't have enough. no nope. c- To compete with the likes of these star players. And Dukic, you know, um, Modric, you've got Kovacic in there. Rakitic has been playing fantastic. He's been controlling the midfield with Modric. It's, it's a winning formula right now. And, you know, long may it continue and I'm really rooting for Croatia. Yeah. It'd yeah. Be, and and you know, going under the radar, doing going about their business the, the, the proper way and how football should be played. They Yep. Yeah, you know, they're four apart teams. It's been fantastic to watch and see them develop. Didn't didn't really have them as a as a big performer this this World Cup, but it's been great. So Jack, who you got?
0: Netherlands versus
3: Denmark. I'm sorry, shit. <laughs> sorry, I just <laughs>
0: sorry, now I'm fucking myself so, up. Uh, Croatia, Croatia versus Denmark. Sorry.
1: With the absence of the U.S. Men's National Team from this tournament, there are two teams that I have been rooting for from the beginning, uh, and they are Belgium and Croatia. Mm-hmm. Um, Croatia, they're just nasty, dude. I-, I love everything about this team. Yep. Um, so many itches. It's great. Um, and our and our boy Ante Rebic, yes, in the Bundesliga, having himself a tournament as well. He's hey. been, he's been a pleasant surprise.
0: Hell yeah! But
1: yep. um. Yeah, dude, Croatia, they just look like the real deal. They absolutely bossed that group stage. Um, you know, this is a decent Denmark team, but I personally don't see them being able to compete with with Croatia. I think they'll they'll need some magic from, you know, Christian Eriksen or somebody, but I, I don't think it's going to be enough. Croatia, they look like they're going to steamroll pretty much anybody they come across right now, um, and they absolutely have the look of a team that could be a legitimate dark horse to steal this World Cup from somebody else. I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself, but... Yeah. Um, if they keep up the level of play, they are, they're dangerous. And, and I mean, what can you say about Luka Modric that hasn't already been said, but I mean, they, they, I mean, just so much class in that midfield, so much class all over the team. And, uh, I, I think this should probably be a pretty comprehensive win for them as well. Yeah. I mean, how
0: about Ante Ravich? How about the month he's having? He beats the shit out of Bayern Munich in the German, uh, yep. final. And then he's having himself a fantastic world cup as well. I feel the guy. I just root for him. He's just such a a a high energy player, and you just he gives everything he's got for either Frankfurt or Croatia. Uh, I'm so happy for him that he's he's getting to shine at such on such a large stage. Hundred percent. All right, guys. Moving on. uh, Back four. Now we're on the uh, the the second second uh, second uh, second part of the round of sixteen. This one's intriguing because this is the. uh, (laughs) <laughs> this is the only North American team. Uh, is that the only ones left? Yeah, it looks like they're the only ones left. Uh, Mexico versus Brazil. Uh, they have met before in the round of 16. This is not the first time they've done battle. Uh, needless to say, Mexico did not win. And I don't think they're going to win this time either. I, I, As much as I like Chicharito and uh, his, you know, Teammates. I, I think that they, they played some inspiring football. I think that they absolutely deserve to beat Germany 1 0 in that match. And I don't know what to make of the 3 0 against Sweden, whether they just, um, I, I can't say that they meant to do that. Uh, that does not leave me with the best warm and fuzzies going into this. I, I, I'm i kind of concerned they gave up, they conceded three goals. But I think Brazil, this is a standard 1 0, 2 1. You know, you don't have to go all out to beat Mexico. No disrespect to them. But they're look, it, it, this would be a monumental upset. I mean, uh, of epic proportion. I, I just don't see Brazil losing this. I think they go through. Not 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 on the scoreline, maybe not comfortably. It might, like I said, 1-0, 2-1. But I, I think overall, possession dominated by Brazil. I think you'll see the more chances by Brazil. Mexico might get one or two counterattacks. They might score one, but... They they won't ever be in contention to win this match. Alex, what you got?
3: Um, I think it'll be a closer game. Slightly, I think Brazil will end up the winners. Um, Mexico have come off a very strong group stage. You know, it's only the last forty-five minutes they conceded three goals and lost that match to to Sweden. Difficult to predict. You know, both you know South American, well. One hey, hey, hey,
0: hey, they're North American, sir. Let's not and forget no, that. Just I just corrected myself. Um,
3: <laughs> I was at Mexico earlier this year. Great country. Um, <laughs> they, they seem to have come out with a tougher fighting spirit in this group stage. And they're gonna if they're gonna carry that through to a to, you know, a one game only match, um, it's going to be tight, but I think yeah, like you said, you got the likes of Neymar, Coutinho. Um, I hope hope Firmino starts. He came on last game and changed the game for them and won them. You know that header down for the Coutinho. Um, but whatever, they've got quality throughout and their bench. Um, this is going to be either really tight or convincingly strong for, for Brazil. It's going to be a one all, one all, or maybe in two all game, or three or four nil to Brazil. It's going to be one of the two. I think if you have, um, you know, Coutinho turning up, um, he's already come off a convincing couple of games. Amazing. Typical Coutinho goal against, uh, what's it called? Um, You know, they got the most take ons. You know, Neymar certainly has anyway. Um, He's on fire at the moment. He's playing with freedom, really. And that's the most dangerous time to play against Neymar when he's on that type of form.
2: Uh,
3: Alex, does it burn? Does it burn? Does it burn
0: your heart to see? It does me to see Coutinho and Firmino out there. I mean, they, it just it just
3: hurts me so much to see
0: <sighs> what they what they could be for
3: for a certain yeah. team from England. I mean, if if they do go out at the end of the day, you've got Salah, Mane, and Firmino come back fresh. So that's one <laughs> way to look at it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So obviously speaking, it's not under the world, but um, I think I do want Brazil to win. Um, I watched the uh, the Champions League final with a with a new Brazilian friend of mine. Um, mm-hmm. So shout out to him, Adriano. Um, so I, I, I'm definitely rooting for Brazil. But the, these games, man, they're they're right on the edge. You know, the last, you know, every inch counts here. I mean, the, I think the the Defense of Mexico versus the attack of Brazil. They're going to be right on the last line, Brazil. I think VAR is going to come into this a little bit as well. Might be a few offsides. Um, there's been a lot of penalties as well this 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 tournament. Um, yeah. And you rule out that that effect as well that has on a game, um, especially with VAR being a you know a two. Representative of a decision. Now, I think it's it's been pretty good, ninety-nine percent spot on. They, that you know, one two attack by uh, one or two attacks by Mexico could could result in a penalty. Yeah. Um, Like I said, it's right on the edge. You're playing right on the edge of the biggest tournament on the planet. You know, emotions are high, and that's when you make slight decisions that you not wouldn't normally wait make. You know, it's gonna be. One, it's probably going to be my favorite game to watch, apart from the Argentina uh, Portugal.
0: Uh, Jack, what do you, what do you, what do you think about this this Mexico Brazil matchup?
1: First of all, a lot of credit to Mexico. Two wins in the group stage; um, they absolutely deserve to have moved on. I think it would have been incredibly harsh if they had won their first two games and then somehow not advanced. I mean, that would have been. Uh, that would not have been justice for, for them. They, they've absolutely deserved it so far. Um, that being said, uh, I think I think the fun stops stops here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if it if it doesn't somehow, I think Mexico immediately becomes the story of the tournament. Um, but I just, I just don't see it happening. Uh, they came out against Germany, um, a pretty dismal Germany with an excellent game plan, uh, very well organized, and they, they punched him in the mouth. Um, you know, they, they played a, they put a decent game in, in their second match. And then, uh, you know, the Sweden game, the scoreline, not, not great for them, but I think there's some weird things that happened in this game. Some, you know, some deflections, some, you know, questionable calls that kind of went against the, went against them. I don't know if that three goal margin was as much a reflection on them, but this, this is Brazil. They're stacked. Um, they have too much firepower in my, in my opinion. Um, hashtag free Bobby. By the way, because uh, yeah. he has not he has not started the match, and he want for me to want to pitch more personally. Yeah, um, it should go well with your you know Liverpool loyalties. But mm-hmm. um, I just I mean end of the day, I don't think Mexico has enough. They they put in the Admiral performances. I, I think it stops here. Chicharito for me has been garbage.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, it, they need something more consistent up top to finish some of the chances they create if they want to have a chance of going through. And I, I just I just don't know if it's going to happen for them. Um. Jack, real quick, uh, what do you think about the uh,
0: Landon Donovan commercial with the Mexico T-shirt and Marco Fabian? Oh God! Okay. Um, okay.
1: <laughs> first of all, uh, it's an it's an annoying commercial. First of all, right? It's 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 Landon Donovan not only representing Mexico, which is annoying, but representing Wells Fargo, which is also annoying. Yes. Um, and then in the aftermath of of everyone, you know. Attacking him on Twitter, which, first of all, I thought was kind of a waste of time. Like, who cares? Like, just it, it's annoying, but just let it go. Um, Landon Donovan getting indignant about it, trying to find moral high ground in, in representing Wells Fargo of all people with all the controversies they've had recently is, is laughable to me. And uh, calling out Carlos Bocanegra and educating Bocanegra on his own Mexican heritage. I mean, what is this? This guy needs to shut up for a while and just, I mean... Very, very annoying. And, yeah. you know, I, I love Donovan for the things he's done for the U.S. men's national team. But just go away for a bit, please.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, guys, we have uh, Sweden versus Switzerland. So, uh, Jack, staying with you for a second. Uh, your boy Braille Bolo from Schalke. Um, yeah, yeah, Schalke uh, playing for Switzerland. Uh, I haven't watched a lot of the Swiss games. I only saw them against Brazil. Has he done anything in this tournament?
1: Not particularly. Um, I, I think Safarovich has gotten the majority of the time mm-hmm. uh, up top for them. I've been trying to keep tabs on, on the Swiss games to see him come in. He has gotten some playing time. Uh, I think the the Shalka player with the most playing time has actually been Salif Sane uh, for Senegal, but he is now out. So uh, yeah, unless you unless you want to count Marco Piazza as a Shalka player, which I really don't, because I believe he's going back to Uwe, Um I think Brielle and Bolo is maybe our last player in this tournament. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, right. Uh, you know the, the the positive thing for him is that he has been on the pitch so despite him being the youngest of the uh the striking options that Switzerland has they clearly have some some belief in his uh his playmaking ability and, and the things that he can bring to the team so hopefully that continues I would love to see him continue to get playing time this is huge for him and you know at his young age to to be on this kind of a stage with that kind of responsibility um and uh yeah he just needs a finishing product he hasn't he hasn't played Poorly, but he hasn't, for me, done anything to really separate himself from the rest of the pack.
0: So the other guy, obviously, from Sweden, uh, Bundesliga RB Leipzig's own Emil Forsberg, who is obviously their best player, their leader, their central midfielder. Uh, who, do you, who do you like in this matchup? Because I, Switzerland's obviously a top 10 FIFA-ranked team. They have pretty good side. Obviously, Liverpool transfer target Jordan Shakiri, former Bayern Munich player, currently of Stoke. Uh, he's, he's in this Switzerland team, obviously, as you said, uh, Severovich, obviously also with Bundesliga ties from his past, uh, Brill and Bolo, uh, I think, uh, at one time had, uh, who did, uh, Dortmund sign, Marvin Hitz, if he had signed, if he had stayed with the Swiss team, all three keepers would have been Bundesliga keepers. So a lot of these players for Switzerland play in the, uh, German top tier, I, I I tend to lean to more towards Switzerland in this. I just think I I I, I have a a better feeling about their overall. I I say their 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 determination and their 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 grind. They grind out results. I I, I like I like a nice one nil or two one Sweden win perhaps in uh, extra time before we go to penalties. Uh, how do you see this? How, what's your what's your what's your prediction on the results here?
1: Yeah, well, uh, top flight superstar Shakiri, right, with uh, Stoke City in the in the championship. Absolutely. But, yeah. Um, um, you know, this is a this is a matchup. You know, the way my bracket looks is I, I had this being a Germany Switzerland encounter, and then this being the end of the road for Switzerland. Um, obviously, with Germany putting in the performance they did, it would look as though this has just opened up tremendously for Switzerland. But I've been really impressed with Sweden. I was sleeping on them personally. Um, they have looked a lot better than I anticipated. Really solid at the back. Uh, you talk about Forsberg, who I thought has been very impressive um, and had some had some great moments. Um, I, I know he had one, he had one particular dribble the other day that was just mind blowing um, against Germany. I believe in that game that was, I mean, one of the, the highlights for them of the tournament for me. But um, this is going to be, I think it could be a, you know a physical, hard fought match. Uh, personally, I, I, I'm going to go with Switzerland. Uh, for the reason you said, there's just a lot of top level Bundesliga talent that I'm completely biased towards
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, in this squad. Uh, you know, it's, it's a familiarity bias for me, absolutely. But uh, this is one that actually is really intriguing. And I think this is going to be one of my favorite games to watch, surprisingly, which I probably would not have said pre tournament if you would have told me. But based on the way things have gone, this is going to be much watch
3: television for me.
0: Yeah. Alex, what you got on Switzerland and Sweden?
3: Um <clears throat> Similar to what Jack said, I mean, their 3-0 result against Mexico was, on the performance, wasn't surprising they won 3-0. They completely deserved that. They managed that game pretty superbly. That fantastic attacking move ended in that goal by Augustiston was one of the goals of the tournament, actually, for me. Definitely top 10, maybe even top 5. Um, but as much as we can look back on the performance of the group stages, it's again just a knockout tournament, and it almost doesn't matter really the the form coming in from the group stages. It's completely fresh, everything to play for. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for Sweden, one or two nil. I really think they've, you know, they have come off a good result there against Mexico. The, the Mexican side have beat Germany for God's sake, the reigning champions. They've beaten, they trashed them 3 0. Could have been more. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting, interesting watch. It's um, going to be a fairly tight game. You know, the big name players like Shakiri probably need to have a really, really, really good game um, against a very good Sweden side to, to go to take it through. It could even go to extra time, but I'm going for Sweden 1 0.
0: That's right. Shakiri, Jurgen Klopp is watching you, little man. So you yeah. better perform if you want to play at Anfield and not at shitty ass Stoke next season in the Championship. <laughs>
3: uh, anyway,
0: yeah, he'll he'll be he'll be he'll be awesome uh, lacing uh, Mohamed Salah's boots. Definitely, I, I think that yeah, he's gonna be a good backup and um, just know that he's going to be a reserve. You know, just make that clarification from the start, and he'll fit right in at Anfield. I think he's gonna be a great backup on the wing. Um, quick note uh you said they've beaten some big teams let's not forget Sweden knocked out Italy fucking Italy in the playoff in UEFA to get qualify for this tournament so they were beating big teams before the world cup started so they 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 they've uh they've beaten Mexico they've beaten Italy they beat uh South Korea and obviously uh, played Germany a, a very tough 90 minutes. So th- I, I don't, I'm picking Switzerland to go through, but Alex, I can't really disagree with anything you said because you, you make some excellent points. And going back to November when they knocked Italy out, um, yeah, they've, 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 got a, they've got a quality team. Uh, last two matches, uh, Group G and Group H from the group stage, uh, round of 16. Now, Belgium versus Japan. Uh, I'm very happy for Japan because they have a lot of Bundesliga players. Uh, Shinji Kagawa from Borussia Dortmund, who's very near and dear to my heart. Uh, Haraguchi. Uh, the, the list goes on and on. They have they have a ton. Uh, Oz- Ozaka from uh, – or Ozaki or Okaza, whatever his name is from Cologne. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, he just recently signed a new deal, so he's no longer with Cologne. Uh, this is a fairy tale story for Japan. I don't think that many of people expected them to advance. And this is where it comes to an end. Kevin De Bruyne, Romelu Lukaku, Eden Hazard. I mean... Mertens. Dries Mertens. It's over, lads. It's over. Belgium, easy, easy 4-0 win over Japan to the quarterfinals.
3: Big. Yeah, big prediction there. Yeah. Um, I'm still wondering whether it's still gonna be Japan or Senegal. Oh no, <laughs> Yeah. fair play. Unbelievable. Um no happy for the Japanese. Great people. They've it's their first time in it's twenty years on from the first World Cup. They've improved a lot since then. Obviously went really close to missing out. Um they have absolutely nothing to lose and actually sometimes that's the worst time to play a team. Um they're gonna go all out. They're gonna not leave ounce left on that pitch. They're gonna leave everything on there. Belgium will probably go through on pure class and quality, um, which they have bounds of now. They're, they're, they've really come on since you know the last World Cup and the qualifying stage, you know where they didn't quite click. I think at the moment they're they're really starting to click and enjoying their football together. That's a real mark of uh, um, uh, that's a real mark of uh, you no know, hats off to Martinez for for making that kind of happen. Yeah, um, he's really done fantastic with that team, brought it together, um, playing players in the best positions, um, and they're feeling the effect. Um, you, you play with really good players around you. You, you play better yourself. I, I've always said that. Um, maybe that's what could happen if Shaqiri came to Liverpool. But anyway, um, yeah, I reckon at least 2-0 to Belgium, maybe 3.
0: Awesome. Two- yeah, yeah. so that's uh, 2 for Belgium. Uh, Jack, I'm sure you're going to go and make it a clean 3-0 sweep.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say this is a uh, knockdown drag out close affair and then Japan advances on fair play. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, it, it's a clean sweep. Um Oh, Belgium, Shinji. oh wait, you said Shinji Kagawa a hat trick, right? Yeah, uh, Kiske Honda with a uh, 65-yard wonder strike to yes. send Japan through. Awesome. Um yeah, Belgium are when we talk about teams like, you know, Brazil and, and France being stacked, Belgium is another one. It's just uh you know every every player on the team sheet is is a star somewhere uh, it's an absolutely absurd embarrassment of riches um the reemergence of Adnan Yanazide today yes as well yeah um pissing off belgium fans everywhere by uh, giving them the win and having them draw a slightly more difficult opponent um, <laughs> you would say potentially in brazil on that side of the uh the bracket um going forward but uh yeah i, I think they will. i mean they should advance pretty easily through japan but um as high as i am on belgium i don't know how confident we can be about how good this team is either to some extent just because i I don't know if we really learned a whole lot about them given the opponents they had in the group stage i mean panama had a pretty abysmal tournament tunisia i'm sorry they're just not great and then you know I, i was really looking forward to this england belgium tie because these are two teams that I'm, I'm very intrigued. And I thought we might have a chance to learn something about how good this Belgium team was, but um, given the sense that, you know, no one wanted to win this game. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen it. there's a South Park episode a long time ago where the kids are playing baseball and they both just want to go home and they're trash talking. You know, we're going down. No, we're going down. No, you guys are great. No, you guys, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the same. I mean, like it, this was pretty not great football for me today, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so It'll be interesting. I do think it should be fairly comprehensive for for Belgium, but who knows? I mean, Japan's had a a somewhat decent tournament, and maybe they will uh, expose some deficiencies at the back for Belgium or something like that, because I think we all know how good this attack is.
0: All right, so clean sweep for Belgium. That brings us to the last match, and this is obviously one of the top three matches left uh, on paper, but also on hype, because you have a team that was heavily favored to probably make the quarterfinals that looked like after the opening match and lost to Japan, that they might, in fact, go out, score an own goals. Oh, man, it was a very... Going down to 10 men in the third minute, Colombia was a fucking mess. And somehow they ended up, um, yeah, group winners. And then, of course, having grown up in Germany and my home team being out, I, at the end of the day, am still, as I said last week, I will say again, I'm 66% English. So, yes... I'm going to claim England as my second team. Fuck all the hate. Let's go, Three Lions. That's my new team. Germany's out. Fuck you guys. I'm going with Southgate. Southgate's my boy. And uh, so we have basically Ger- England, who is just they—they've—they've, they've, you know, obviously come from a group that is not necessarily the hardest on paper. They beat the dog shit out of Panama, as they should have they did not get the result against belgium but it didn't really matter and you know they um took care of business close it was close against tunisia but they 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 got it done uh two to one so looking at this matchup um you know Hamas rodriguez obviously came off today in the 31st minute let's see um did anyone hear what that injury was i'm sorry uh I I I was just I, I was gonna
1: I was gonna ask you personally.
0: Yeah, I, I, I had not heard anything. I didn't get a that. chance to follow up on that,
1: uh, Alex. Do you know?
3: No idea. I think it's something to do with his teeth. <laughs> are you Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. Okay. Well,
1: uh, if he can get some, um, I'm using I'm using the Google as we speak, and uh, the headlines I'm seeing are uh, Rodriguez injury of extreme concern to Columbia coach, so... Okay. Who knows. I'll let you know if I can find anything while we're talking. Okay. He,
3: he walked off, you know. Yeah, he walked off, okay. Uh, he did look like he had a... He wasn't limping or anything. So. Okay. And that was well, that
1: was the nagging injury, though, wasn't it? This is kind of a recurring thing for him.
3: Maybe. Yeah.
1: Um, so, obviously, they have Fakao,
0: and, you know, they have James Rodriguez, maybe. England, though. Southgate uh, picked a very... In my opinion, a very odd side. I still not convinced Jordan Pickford is a good keeper. Um I, I, I just I I I don't think very highly of him. I don't rate him at all. But the other players have really played well. Jordan Henderson. No bias here. No bias. But Jordan Henderson's played a fantastic tournament. I love his uh his enthusiasm, and you can see the captain, the Liverpool captain, how he's used to commanding on the pitch, you know, despite the fact that Harry, I steal all your goals, Kane is the actual captain. It's Jordan Henderson. He's commanding out there. The, the, the players, you know, they listen to him as much as they do Harry. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, Trippier, I, I, I'm impressed by him. Uh, Raheem Sterling's had a little bit of a rebound since the opening match where he, he really just had a, a terrible match against Tunisia. But I like this England side. I dogged them. I really ran them down. I did not think that they might even advance out of the group. And here they are. I hope I don't eat my words on this, but I think they, I think they beat Columbia 3-2, 2-1. Two, two, I really like what Southgate's done. I, I, I have to say that they have exceeded my expectations so far, despite the fact they have one of the top five strikers in the world in Harry Kane. Harry fucking Maguire.
2: <laughs> Harry yes. Maguire!
0: Who the fuck is this guy? So, what, does he play for fucking Everton?
3: Harry Buzz Lightyear, Maguire. He's a toffee. The
0: toffees suck. Everybody knows the toffees suck. Yeah. And yet, here he is playing his ass off in the World Cup. I mean, Harry, come come play the other side of town. Don't, don't do yourself such a disservice. Don't play for those assholes. Come, come to Anfield, buddy. Um... This this team is such a ragtag unit, in my opinion. And they've just somehow, opposite of Germany, they have come together and they have played as a unit. And I don't care if they play it was if it was Panama who they scored six goals against. Six goals in a World Cup is still an impressive feat. They are a team right now, as you said, based on form. I would not want to play England right now. I think England. I think England advances to the quarterfinals. Um, do I hear any objections on that, Alex?
3: Um, oh, it's too tight to call. I mean, without James Rodriguez, um, we've got a better chance against Colombia, of course. But um, we've 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 got a pretty pretty decent squad. Um, I didn't think. We had enough quality, but, you know, some of the play today was fantastic. Um, Trippier has, has played well in the last couple of games, but I think Alexander-Arnold has. Uh, I'm not being biased, honestly, but I think he deserves a starting spot after today's performance. You um, know, he's been taking the corners, the free kicks. I mean, what a fucking, I just wanted to say, what a fantastic season this kid has had. He's still 19. Yeah. He's made, come through in the first eleven of uh Liverpool because of Klein's injury and he's now playing in the you know, the last sixteen in the World Cup, possibly. Um, it's a fantastic achievement for him. So, that's so definitely underrated player. Um <clears throat> I think today's performance I I'm not even really gonna talk much about England versus Belgium. Um it was uh, it's obviously a lot of talk now looking back at it, but it was a lot of the you know tactical effort by the manager's set up of each team. hmm it, it doesn't warrant much analysis on in, in, in my opinion, um, but they've both gone through, and we England have uh, certainly got a better better half. If we can get past Colombia, we've got a better pathway through to at least the semi-final where we could possibly face Spain. Um, operation if they get through um, so yeah we can't rule out Colombia's um, talent um, they they do have a pretty strong squad um, but I think yeah I, I have to go for, for a narrow England win they're coming off with a few fresh players you've got Harry Kane um, I mean it, these players need to they haven't really been tested, to be honest, yet. The, the, the players that will start against Colombia haven't really been tested against strong opposition. And this is their opportunity yeah. to really, on a show, and to really step it up. Um, this is the test. So, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic game to watch. I mean, all of these games have got so much behind them and so much to win. It's What a fucking lucky... Part of the football calendar we're living right now. It really is true, a blessing, I think. Um, but yeah, I think two one to England. Um, maybe Harry Kane and Maguire <laughs> header from <laughs> a. He deserved. He deserves a goal. Maguire. Like. Okay. He he's coming through from the back. Um, a bit like what Rio Ferdinand used to do for United. Mm-hmm. He's made such confidence and his passing and his awareness. Wow, what a what a what a player that's just come out of out of nowhere.
0: Jack, what are your thoughts on this England side? Uh you've impressed by what they've done so far? Do you look at the Panama game as well, they beat up on the worst team in the tournament, six one, no big deal? Or have they kind of maybe
1: changed your opinion on what you thought
0: they were capable of?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, Panama. Obviously not, not playing well, but anytime you score six goals, I, I think that shows you something regardless of, you know, how poor your opponent might've been. Right.
2: Um,
1: this is, this is certainly a team that looks dangerous. Um, I mean, you talk about some of the inexperience in places. There's not a goalkeeper on the squad over the age of 26. Um, you know, Pickford 24, somewhat unconvincing, but, um, yeah, it's English team that, that is, I think that is team has shown us a lot and, uh, this probably will be the first real test for them. Uh, I think James Rodriguez, his involvement or, or lack thereof will obviously be big because that is a, you know, a game breaking type talent. Um, hopefully we get to see him in this one, but, um, you know, I think I'd echo a lot of the things that have already been said. I mean, McGuire has been a revelation. Defensive lines right and left with, you know, either his passing or some of his runs on, you know, he, he's been, he's been phenomenal. And, uh yeah, you know, some of the old guard that had been involved for a while is, is kind of out of the picture and, for that reason, I think maybe some people kind of looked at the squad and just said, "eh." But for me, I think you know it's an opportunity for a fresh start and some other people to get an opportunity and try to make an impact in the squad. And um, they have some pretty good chemistry, and they look like they're you know enjoying themselves out there. And you know, Harry Kane as sort of your your focal point and your leader is a great figure to have. And uh, this is a team that has the potential to make a run here. I think uh, I do favor them to beat Columbia. Personally, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, I think Columbia has been somewhat unconvincing as well. I've said that a lot, a lot of teams, which is kind of funny, but um, you know, after that, if if they are able to get past Columbia, you know, they have Sweden and Switzerland, the winner of that one. And, you know, I think they have a good opportunity to get to a semifinal here, potentially if they can find a way past Columbia. And I think, I think they might do
2: that.
0: Uh, I'm going to ask a question here to both of you. Listen to the question very carefully. Not the
1: best. I'm not
0: asking if he's the best. Is Harry Kane the most dangerous player left in this tournament? Uh,
1: no. There's a, there's a lot of competition for that. I would, uh, it depends on what you mean by dangerous. I don't know. Oh, well, what I mean I,
0: by I, by dangerous is quite frankly, uh, Harry Kane is is he not in the lead right now for the Golden Boot? Is he? I think he is, right? He is. He is. Him and Lukaku were up there,
1: and then Ronaldo just behind that, I believe.
0: Right. So what I mean by that is I don't need to, to go into what he's done the last two seasons at Spurs. Uh, he won the scoring title two years ago with Spurs, finished second to Salah last season by only a few. Uh, he actually came from behind. Uh, Lukaku two years ago was actually in the lead, and he came from behind and stole it from Lukaku at the very end of the season. Uh, is he the best? Okay, so let me say this instead of dangerous. Is he the? Is he the? Is he the best goal scoring threat of any player left in this tournament?
3: I think that's a good shout. Um, he's been in the right place at the right time, and he definitely has probably the best knack for that. Mm-hmm. And he's used that a lot over the last few seasons. Um, he he's a very very good finisher. One of the best in the World Cup. Yeah, One of. Um, It's difficult to not... I mean, you you wouldn't want to play against Harry Kane right now. He can score from his head, left foot, right foot, in the right place, takes penalties. He's got everything. Everything that a national team needs at a knockout tournament to go far. So for England, he's there best opportunity he's our best opportunity to to score a goal and goals win matches
0: yeah so that's what i meant jack is he is is harry kane the, the 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 most dangerous goal scoring threat left in this tournament
1: i'd say he's the most dangerous player at his position left in this tournament okay um he apart from all the the obvious skills he has which is you know which are innumerable uh, numerous i should say uh, he has the intangible of just instinct he finds himself in the right place at the right time so often for for tapping and, and pocher's goals and you know any indi- one individual you know moment where you, where you see that you could say oh that's luck you know he just happened to be there but um you see enough of those and the sample size becomes large enough when there's something else going on there and I think he's just an incredibly intelligent player with his movement in the box off the ball. Um, and, you know, he makes things happen and yeah, he is, he is dangerous for that reason too. He doesn't have to be necessarily even involved in the play that's going on to end up being the one on the end of it, um, you know, po- poking at home. So uh, very real possibility that he ends up winning the golden boot. And uh, if he keeps England's got a lot of upside.
3: Yeah, I was a bit frustrated that he didn't actually start today or even come on. But looking back, it was the right decision. <laughs> yeah, it was the right decision. So, I'm fresh. Yeah, yeah. We could talk
0: on about this for hours, guys, because it's just so easy with the uh, two of you. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, this is just such a fascinating, as you said, Alex, t- time to be a football fan. But uh, we're going to wrap it up here. So, uh, just a quick recap. It looks like based on the two out of. Three rule, so who who we think is going to advance? We have as a group Uruguay over Portugal. We have Spain over Russia. We have France over Argentina. We have Croatia over Denmark. Brazil over Mexico. Oh uh, shit! Uh, Do we say Switzerland over Sweden? I know, I, I said... believe
1: we did. I think okay. it was you and I with Switzerland. It was two okay. one. Okay,
0: Switzerland over Sweden. England over Colombia and Belgium over Japan quite quite an intriguing quarterfinals guys oh huh. all right so that's that is going to be it for tonight uh guys this has been fantastic 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 stuff uh just uh, a fucking awesome dialogue uh great Justin Timberlake stuff um we've had uh <laughs> we've had some appearances by uh bourbon and beer and brie cheese i know that um uh, alex you were snacking on the brie earlier uh and we didn't get our we didn't get our cameo, Alex. that sucks. We this is two episodes now you've been on. We didn't get a cameo appearance from uh, Cameo Kara. so
3: I know she's upstairs. Yeah, L- looking after the new cat we just bought on Sunday. So. Uh,
0: that's right. yeah, the new the new family edition. Well, guys, real <laughs> quick,
3: um, tell everybody,
0: please real quick, uh, Alex, where they can find you on Twitter and um, yeah, and then uh, same for you, Jack.
3: So um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Chicken seven. A lip of a chicken, <laughs> <laughs> hey. oh, good still one. the best Twitter uh, name. It's up to you. I'm not going to change your life. Follow me if you want. Since I've been on these podcasts, I've been um contributing more to my uh to my feed. So, um, some, uh, some good stuff on there, but that's all you can find me on. And yeah, thanks, critically again. It's been a fantastic podcast. And. <laughs> Always, always a pleasure, my friend.
0: Absolutely, sir. Always a pleasure to have you. Jack, where can people find you on Twitter? And tell people real quick again. I know I mentioned at the top of the show, but tell them about uh, you and Richard and the ShotKid Podcast.
1: Yeah, you can find me at uh, donkeyshin (laughs) 43 on Twitter. Um, That's a joke. Not Chicken, but seven. Uh, J-M-Mangan. J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N. Far from an essential follow. Uh, I would echo what Alex said there, but if you want to give my ego a boost and toss me a follow on Twitter, I'd appreciate it. Um, yeah. I'm one half of the, uh, the FC Schalke, you podcast with with Richard Carmen um, in the middle of our summer hiatus right now. So not a whole lot going on on that front. Maybe we'll have a, uh, you know, a Schalke players at the world cup recap podcast or something like that. But unfortunately I don't think players like Harit really uh, got the playing time necessary to really make that worthwhile
2: potentially. But
1: uh, yeah, you know, when it comes towards the end of the summer and the Bundesliga is kicking back up, if you want to listen to some uh, some talk about FC Schalke, feel free to uh, subscribe to that podcast or, or pop in every once in a while. And uh, Critty, thank you again for having me. Alex, it was a pleasure. And uh, this was great. It was a great opportunity for me to, like I said earlier, uh, get back into podcasting form a little bit. I've, been, I've had about a two-month break at the moment, so this has been fun.
0: Dust off the cobwebs, absolutely. Guys, it's been fantastic. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, thank you for joining us for our round of 16 recap. And as I said at the top of the hour, uh, funeral of the German national team. So, uh, unfortunately, they are buried and buried alive. Uh, we will catch you next week, same place, same time. We're going to uh, review the uh, uh, round of 16 matches, look at, look at the quarterfinals. As we head closer and closer to July 15th and the World Cup final where we will crown Now, unequivocally, a new world champion. Uh, Again, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.